right, good morning. It is good to be with all of you today. So exciting to see some uh, new faces this morning and the old faces. If you got an old face or if your neighbor does, say you got an old face today. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it is so good to be with you. I'm Adam. I'm the lead pastor here. We got our props here. Uh, props to my wife for making the props. Uh, this is our match. We've got our dynamite here. We've got our mission plan here, and uh, we're going to get to all of that. So uh, we finished a great series last week called Love Is, and all of our messages are available on our website and Podbean. Uh, our website is picktownfc.com, okay? And so that's home base. You can see what's going on. Follow us on Facebook, but our messages are there. That series just went off the charts, and, uh, and so I appreciate, uh, I get some help building messages, and uh, Burl helped me with that one, and uh, so if you want to be a part of our, our uh, sermon building team, uh, that way we reach more people, and uh, it, it's so good, and so uh, you want to you catch that, because we finished with a message that is vital to our Christian faith, and that was love is our identity. And here's the deal. We have to know who we are as sons and daughters of God. Why? Because we have a purpose. We have a mission. And if you, you have to know who you are to fulfill the purposes of God in your life. If you don't know who you are, how, how, are, how on earth are you supposed to know what you're supposed to do? Because the Bible describes the body of Christ as individuals that come together as a collective, and we each have a role, and the Bible says one is not more important than the other. And so if you don't know who you are in Christ, you are a wall, right? And we need you. And so this is why the family church exists. Andrew mentioned this, to welcome people home to God, your family, and another word for plan is your purpose. Do you know who you are in Christ this morning? You look like all the kids, third period, man. Or when I ask my kids, do you have homework today? Uh, the teacher wants me to play Minecraft for two hours, I swear, right? Do you know your God-given purpose for being created today? Now, it's going to look a little different for each one of us, but guess what? It all falls under one call. Uh, we finished with this verse uh, last series, and it's the launch pad for this series. You ready for it? Go to 2 Corinthians if you want to with me. I'll give you a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. An easy way to follow Scripture here, if you don't have it, you want to get this thing called the Bible app. It's a free gift from a church out in uh, Oklahoma. Uh, they give it and has all the different translations in it. I generally read from the New Living Translation, just so you know. And it's it just, I believe it's a, a fresh, very uh, accurate translation that's easy to understand. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That's where we finished in our last series. That's who we are now, here comes the why. Let's go to verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task, this mission of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. 
God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Your purpose, my purpose, our mission, should we choose to accept it, is to be Christ's ambassadors. Huh? Well, let me try to get you a little more excited about that title. Uh, so ambassador, what's an ambassador? Well, according to good old Webster, I googled it. An accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to another country. So we just saw this on display at like the Olympics. So even though they were all athletes, we would consider each one of them ambassadors basically to be around a bunch of other countries. They represented our country and hopefully did a little winning while they were down there, right? Over there. In John 17, 16, Jesus says this about us. They do not belong to the world any more than I do. Jesus repeats the phrase, not of this world, throughout his teachings. He has called you and I to be his official representatives to the world around us. So if you ever look around and you think everybody else is strange, you're right. They're thinking the same thing about you, by the way, but that's another topic for another day. As a believer, and as you grow in your faith, you will actually feel like you have less in common in many ways with the world around you. Now, one, one mistake that can be made there is, well, then I just better hide with other believers because this place is freaking me out. We're not supposed to do that. He has called us to be his official representatives in the world around us. How are we doing? Well, many of us, have. Who's, who in this room has traveled to another country? I have. It's so much fun. If you haven't, you have to. It, it's just the best. I have a passport, and I love to see the world. What's the difference between a tourist and an ambassador? What's the difference? I've been to Mexico about five times as a tourist, and I've been to Mexico more than five times as a missionary, another type of ambassador. What's the difference between those two trips? <laughs> the accommodations most of the time. I've actually been put up in some nice places. Authority, responsibility, the job. If I'm on vacation, my, my assignment, which is really okay, by the way, uh, we all need to take some time off, my job is to soak up as much of that sun that I don't see here in the winter as possible. But if I'm on assignment as an ambassador, as a missionary, then I'm looking at everything differently. Here's another definition of ambassador. A person who acts as a representative or a promoter of a, spe a specified activity. Here's some synonyms. I'm using all my big words today, okay? I know big words too, Pastor Scott. Campaigner. Representative. We said that one. Promoter. Champion. Supporter. All right, so here's some questions just to make sure I hurt everyone's feelings, okay? 
Have you campaigned for Jesus this week? Do my actions promote Christianity to my co-workers? Did you consider how you represented God to others this week? Does my life, does your life champion the cause of Christ? He's hurting my feelings. Do we support the ministry of the church, capital C? And here's a clue. Family church is not the church. Pastor Scott talked about unity. There's a whole lot of our brothers and sisters worshiping in all different kinds of manners around the world right now. And it's awesome. But do we support that? If not, or I kind of do, then why not? Maybe you don't know that you're necessary to the mission. You'll hear these terms, mission critical. If this one thing doesn't happen, if this person doesn't show up, if this misses, the mission doesn't succeed or it falls short of its goal. Maybe you don't know you're necessary to the mission. Maybe you think you are, but you don't think you can do it. Maybe you've got other things going on. We actually all do. And actually, the mission is, is supposed to be part of life. It's supposed to be something that we do while we're doing other things, right? We need to realize that there is a mission and that the mission is possible. Heaven is waiting for us to accept our mission. In Luke 12, 48, Jesus tells us, to whom much is given... Much is required. Why would God adopt us as sons and daughters? We started with it this morning. Why would he do it? He loves us. He loves me. Yes, he loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know. Yes, 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 he does. But why would he adopt us as sons and daughters? So that we would act like sons and daughters. Right? Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to be Christ's ambassador. We are going to break that down into three roles in this series leading up to our grand opening. Who's coming to grand opening, by the way? You do not want to miss this party. We're going to have an, I'm so glad. So much fun. We're going to break this down into three roles. Invite, serve, and give. I chose our series titled Mission Impossible Impossible because I love the Mission Impossible movies. I think they're great. And some of you are maybe old enough to actually remember enjoying the TV series, right? That's where the movie series came from. Okay, there is something before Tom Cruise. Every episode or movie requires a team of agents tell your neighbor you're an agent to accomplish a seemingly impossible task and of course they succeed every time because of their determination and the resources available to them I'm praying that through this series you will see that the mission is real and it's important and that you will realize that you are needed to help complete the mission. And every hero's journey starts with a call.
whether it's Ethan Hunt or I don't know the earlier names, there's actually a few different ones on the TV show. Every episode or movie of, of Mission Impossible begins with a call, a faceless voice, a recorded message, giving instructions for a mission, and then what does every assignment end with? This message will self-destruct, right? We're going to be looking at the life of Paul in these three weeks. Now, you could look at the life of Paul for three years, okay, and just get started. But I would argue this, that Paul is the greatest ambassador in history for Christ. His call comes in Acts chapter 9, and we're going to read all 20 verses. And, and I hope you realize how exciting this is. Go to Acts chapter 9 with me if you can. I'll give you just a second. Okay, here we go. It says, meanwhile, Acts chapter 9, starting verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. This is how this chapter, this is how we come into the main part of his story. It sounds like we need a little background. First of all, Saul equals Paul. Paul equals Saul. Okay, so throughout the scriptures, you will see it referenced both ways. He didn't have a name transformation like some other famous stories in the Bible. The best understanding is that one more corresponds to his Jewish name, and the other one is like a Roman translation of it. That's the best one I can see that explains that. So Paul equals Saul. Does that help? It helps me. Hopefully it helps you. Here's some background on Saul. He was an intense man. He was intent on destroying this new sect of Judaism, which the Jewish faith that was called the way, this group of people that were choosing to call Jesus the Messiah, and as far as he understood it, were an enemy to the faith that he grew up believing in. So some of these religious bad guys that we see through the New Testament, Jesus calls them out, uh, in different groups, Pharisees, Sadducees. They were devoted people. They just didn't understand that they were devoted to the wrong thing at that point. So they were passionate about their faith, and arguably, Paul, Saul, was the most passionate. And let's go on to verse 2. So he went to the high priest... He requested letters addressed to the synagogues, uh, these would be like temples, in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. And guess what? You're a member, if you're here today, you're a member of the way today. Isn't that cool? That's what the early movement of the church was called. So he was getting uh, permission to be able to arrest Christians. He wanted, to, he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. Say suddenly. This guy was going to Damascus with a plan that he thought was the right way to keep living for God. He thought he was doing the best thing, and he was intense about it and then God broke in 
he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Paul, Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink. I would say he was shooken up. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. We're going to verse 11. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. God is so specific. Do you see all the Michigan, Michi- Michigan, Michigan, mission? I was born there. I joke. I joke. The mission critical elements to this story. But Lord exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. He was famous for putting Christians in jail. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, verse 15, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Wow. Verse 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is indeed the Son of God. Wow. Sometimes you just got to read it from the source because it's that good, right? And, and I, can't, I can't make it sound any better for sure. What was Paul's mission? What was the call given to him on the tape that would self-destruct? It actually comes from Ananias. God God tells Ananias to give the mission to Paul. Pretty cool. Sometimes it'll be somebody will give you the mission that God has for you, and and you're going to know. You're going to know in your heart, this is what I was made for. 
God actually tells it to Ananias first. Verse 15, Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. Gentile is another name for basically non-Jew. And so Paul was Jewish, and uh, Jesus and his disciples, the initial 12, were all Jewish. And so right here was already a breakthrough, a radical breakthrough in understanding of who the message was for. Because basically it was a, it was a completion to those that already had a Jewish faith. And then all of a sudden, God says, oh, the mission's bigger. Oh, it's big. And what else is interesting about Paul's mission, it says to the Gentiles, so to the non-Jews. And so all of those books in the back of your Bible that say like Colossians, Ephesians, Galatians, those are all Paul's trips to the Gentiles and writing letters back to them. But it says to kings. We'll probably touch on this in another week. The only time he talked to kings was at the end of his ministry when he was on trial. And he basically went from one level of authority to another, and he was actually going to speak before the emperor of Rome at some point. And so he moves through governors to kings, and every time he would get the opportunity he would say, this is who I was. I was walking down a road, going to do this, and then God did that. And now this is what I do. And we all have a story like that. It's going to be different than Paul's. Yours is going to be different than mine. But it's going to be, I was doing this. This is who I was. And then... God came in and got my attention, got me on mission, and now this is who I am. Do you see that? Take my message. That's our call today. Our mission, should we choose to accept it, is to invite, is to share our faith. It's a part of the deal. It's a part of us being ambassadors of heaven. 2 Corinthians 5.20, let me read it again. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God is making his appeal through us. Think about your faith journey. How did you end up here today? How did you end up a Christian at some point? Maybe you're not one yet, and I'll pray that maybe today's your day. Or soon coming. Think about your faith journey. You are here today because someone has shared their faith with you. Is there any exceptions in this room? Usually not. Sometimes people just come in like, like a direct call from heaven or something. But usually, 99%, you heard it from somebody else. And in most cases, God weaves a tapestry of stories around us. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents found Jesus uh, right before I was born, actually. And so I tell everybody I took more naps in pews than I did at home. And we just, it just was always a part of our life. But God also used a string of other people throughout my life 
to lead me to my own relationship with Jesus and to grow as a follower of Jesus. That's a part of why we're here as a church because we need the body to grow. It, it needs to come through different people. There's going to be something you get for your walk that's going to come from this person. There's going to be something else that comes from here. There's going to be something else that comes from serving over here. There's going to be other things that are done when you go on a short-term mission trip overseas. And I just can't explain it, but it happens to every person who does. And I can guarantee you if I hadn't have ever gone on short-term mission trips, I wouldn't be standing here today. I guarantee it. But I look at all of those pieces, all of those pieces in my life were mission critical to bring me to the point of faith and to grow in it after that. You have a story and someone needs to hear it. And I'm actually going to guarantee that it's more than one someone. But I don't know the Bible very well or at all. Well, you should learn more. That's another reason for being here. It's a reason you should open your Bible between Sundays. You should learn more and we'll help you. But guess what you already know? Your story. I, I can't teach you that. You already have it. I can't make it any different. It's yours. You already have it. You have a before Jesus. You have a moment where you came to Jesus and then you have how you're living for him now in whatever fashion you are it can help other people but i've got more baggage than most people one lady i talked to that said she's coming here soon she goes i just hope the roof don't cave in when i walk in the door you ever heard somebody say something like that like i i just don't know if the church can handle me i've heard that this is what the bible's for are you kidding me it's for that person. If it's for me, it's for them. Heaven celebrates when somebody lost comes home. Are you kidding me? The roof might come off because it explodes out of celebration. It's not going to be because, oh, no, 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 a little too, a little too much. You think you've got baggage? We've all got stupid in our past. I've got stupid in my present, and I'm counting on some in my future. Right? Here's the deal. Paul's got you beat. He's got you beat. He wasn't some mass murderer or something like that. Actually, some of the most, he actually came from one of the hardest places it is to come to Jesus. And that's somebody who already thinks that they're serving God. Those people have the hardest time seeing the truth are the people that are already fully committed to the religion as they understand it. Right? People who are just floating and crazy, they're, they're great to talk to. They're great. Religious people are tough. And so God, God had to knock on Saul's door. Had to get his attention. God actually accused Paul of persecuting 
God. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Oh. He participated in one of the other disciples being stoned to death. He had to sit at tables with believers forever and be known as the guy that had people thrown in jail. Just because he got saved, all the people that were in jail didn't get to come out of jail. There was a time period where the Jews hated him because he turned on them, but then all the Christians were scared of him. There wasn't a table he was welcomed at. Except for people like Ananias that knew to trust the Lord. He was on his way to Damascus to arrest more Christians. Everyone was either afraid of him, hated him, or both. Let's look again at what happened in Damascus. Let's finish up with these few little points. Ananias. This is such a cool, mission-critical part of the story. Paul didn't know his assignment yet. He just knew God called him out for doing the wrong thing. And that he was blind now. Awesome. And he didn't know it was just going to be for three days. That would be scary. There's a word in this story that I think just makes the whole story, and it's the word brother. Ananias lays his hands on Saul and says, Brother Saul. He shared his Jesus with Paul in that moment. He accepted him. Amazing, isn't it? And then it says that Saul's eyes were opened. Everyone should have moment, a moment or moments. If you've got any wisdom at all, you know there are multiple moments, not just one, where your eyes open to something. But the most important awakening is when you realize that you need Jesus and you say yes to him. And then what happens? It says that he was baptized. We're going to baptize a couple people today. If, if you want to jump in the water, we've got some extra shorts and shirts. We'll make room for you. It's actually just one at a time, so there's plenty of room. But here's to deal with baptism. Is it necessary for salvation? Short answer, no. But when you say yes to Jesus, you're accepting his forgiveness and his authority in, his li in your life. And what's the first thing he asks you to do after you say yes to Jesus? He says to be baptized. So if you're asking him to be Lord of your life, you should probably say yes to the first thing he asks you to do. Right? It's also a way of sharing. But baptism is supposed to be public. It's supposed to be celebrated. And when these people go in and out of the water, they are saying, I'm a part of this family, the church, capital C. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower. I'm a believer of Jesus. I'm with him. He's with me. And it's party time, okay? That's one of the rules in here. We don't have many. You can't spit on the floor. And you have to go nuts when somebody comes out of the water. Are you okay with that? Okay. 
So Paul, he says that he was welcomed by Ananias. His eyes were open. Then he was baptized. Then it says something else interesting. Then he spent time with the believers. Then he spent time with the believers. That's how our faith is grown. Paul already knew the scriptures, but he didn't know the community yet. He didn't know what it was like to be a Christian yet. And he spent time with the believers. And then this is awesome. It says, then he began to preach. He began to share his story. I hope you heard today that there is a mission. And that it's important. And that you are mission critical. You have a story that's unique from mine and the people in your life that God has put you around need to know it. It doesn't need to be how Gabe was talking to me at the beginning of the service. Even when we leave these mugs next Saturday on the four, on uh, Saturday at 4, we're going to leave them on the doorsteps. We're not knocking on doors. I don't like people knocking on my door. Even people I invited. Because my dog barks every time. We're going to leave them this gift. We're going to leave them an invitation to our grand opening, and we're going to leave them an, an invitation to Easter. Guess what? If there's a few people you want to invite, please take a mug and go mug your neighbors. Make sure you take invite cards. There's a reason why Chrissy worked hard on these sweet little invite cards. This, uh, the circle one says, go. Grand opening. These expire in a few weeks. So take them all and give them away to everybody everywhere, okay? And uh, that invites people specifically to our grand opening. These little square cards are for all the time. They say, be my guest. And it has our church's in information so that they can come with you and meet you here on a Sunday. Just handing a friend or a neighbor these will invite a small conversation that says, I just would like you to know you can come to church with me anytime. And know the roof's not going to cave in when you step across the threshold. Can we pray this morning? Our mission, should we choose to accept it, is to invite and share our faith. I'm saying yes to this mission. I, I've been all in for a while, and, and I've got... I've got enough of Jesus to know that it's, it's the only thing worth spending my life worrying about. But the same call is coming to each of you this morning. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to invite or share your faith with others. If you want to say yes to this mission from God this morning, would you raise your hand this morning? We're going to pray as a church. The church. I see those hands. God loves it. God loves it. Father God, we thank you for this mission. God, we thank you for the call on our lives. God, we thank you that you don't just adopt us as sons and daughters just so that we could, I don't know, drive around and just enjoy life. God, I, I love that all of the things you've given us to enjoy, but God, you've called us as sons and daughters so that we would act like sons and daughters. And Father God, you've given us this call to be ambassadors. You've given us this call to plead for others to come back home. And you've given each of us a story of before Jesus 
when our eyes were opened and how Jesus is affecting our life today. We each have a story and we can share it. God will give you the strength and He will give you the opportunities. If you've never said yes to Jesus today, if you've never said yes or it's been a long time and you've been away from Him, and you want to accept His forgiveness for everything you've done wrong, and you want to look to Him to lead your life as Savior and Lord today, would you raise your hand? You want to say yes to Jesus today? I see those hands. God bless you. God is so good. A prayer goes like this. You're asking for God to forgive you. And then it's important that you accept His forgiveness because it's there. And then you say, Jesus, I'm choosing to follow You today. Thank You for forgiving my sins. Lead me in Your love and Your grace. Amen.